Hey guys, welcome back to this week's podcast. We hope this week's message inspires you and encourages you. Be sure to check out our website to find out more about us. Here's today's message. Now, in case you don't know, friends, you are looking this, I'm a smart guy, all right? Um, And I really am because I spoke to a young lady. She's one of those, you know, the traffic controllers that you see on the roads? I spoke to a young lady, a traffic controller last week up here in Child's Road, and she told me I am. She said, you're a very smart guy. And she was serious. Um, Although actually, I quote, here's what she said to me. (laughs) She said, you're a very wise man. Turns out that she was saying that because what happened was I had just walked over to her on the median strip up here where these roadworks are. I had just walked over to her on the median strip in the middle of Child's Road and it was to explain why on earth I had just parked my car on the other side of Child's Road, made my way over through the traffic and then crossed over the other side of the road and taken some photos. And she was standing there with that traffic sign just looking at me like, you know, so I had to go over and explain. Um, so here's the photos that I took. Take a look at them first, right? So it's the same place, but just one so close up. Um, so that's the photos that I took, and she was standing over to the left of the photo. Um, now, I, and then I said, sorry, I just had to take some photos. Now, I wasn't altogether honest with her, because I didn't tell her exactly what I'm going to tell you guys about why I had to take the photo, but... What I said was, look, actually, <laughs> I know that looks a bit random, but like, I'm a pastor in a church, and um, I'm going to be speaking to the people on Sunday about wisdom, and so I was thinking I'd take a photo and say, look, it's, 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 it's not wise to break the rules. So if it says footpath closed, don't walk on the footpath. And that's why she told me I'm a very wise man. <laughs> she said, I like that. Truth is, see that sign, I, I walk up there every so often when my car gets serviced, I walk up there to go pick up the car at the end of the day. And when I was walking up there a couple of weeks ago, anyone here, like if, if you know Jeff Shepherd, I, like, I, I don't like the idea of having to divert somewhere else. So can you guess what I did? I went around the fence and I walked. All right. Now, if you go halfway up, I did this last week when I was there. Could you go to the next slide, please, Ina? See, that's, that's, so now I'm sort of halfway up. When I'm walking, I'm way over to the right there, but this is Child's Road. Like it's telling you, there's changed traffic conditions. (laughs) See the sign on the left? That's where the pedestrian should be. It's on the other side of the road. We all know that, don't we? All right, and then at the other end of it, see, Ina, could you put the next one up? See, this is, so now we're looking back the other way. Look what I had to come through. But when you've already walked a certain amount of the the distance, you're not going to turn back, are you? No way, this is now a challenge. So we're going through there. Do you think I got through? Yes, I got through. However, 
There were quite a few nails poking out of the fence. And uh, I'm not about to pull my shirt off, but I've got some marks on my body to show it. But I got through. You see, I've made an art form in my 55 years of living, I really have, of not only liking, but backing my own wisdom. So if we define wisdom this morning, because you're here listening, if we define wisdom as this, something like knowing and grasping and perceiving what really counts in life. If we were to define wisdom in really simple terms of understanding how we were designed to live, then we'd all want wisdom, wouldn't we? None of us None of us here, I don't, not, not a one of us here would want to get to the very end of life whenever that's going to be. We wouldn't want to get to the end and realise we got it all wrong, would we? Because you know, I mean, God bless my friend, but being smart, you can be smart without being wise. And you can be wise without being smart. We're talking about wisdom though. We're not talking about being smart. So I wanted to ask you this morning, because the title is, you might be sillier than to think, are you smart? Get a show of hands, who thinks they're smart? A couple of hands went up very quick. Two young boys, both of whose parents are here in church with us. We'll just check with the parents. You might be sillier than you think. You might be sillier than you think, Nathan and Sam. Um, you, you might be sillier than you think. I'll tell you, I am sillier than I think. Dead set serious. I'm nowhere near as smart or as wise as I'd like to think that I am. Now, first century, of Corinth, first century city of Corinth, um, it's under Roman rule, heavily dominated and influenced by Greek culture. So here's the city, and you can see there's Corinth there, modern day Greece and Macedonia. Here's the city, Corinth. Heavily influenced by Greek culture, and it's a place that's actually enamored. The Greeks were enamored with wisdom. That's why there was a concentration then. We saw this last week, didn't we? Um, of scholars, uh, teachers. Remember the Greek word for teachers? Grammatus. And philosophers. So there's wisdom and there's knowledge and there's insight and there's enlightenment abounding in this city. And then the church in the city, just like we are in our city, this church, though, at Corinth, is only three or four years old. It's a fairly good church, we know that, but the culture of the city around about it, if that culture wasn't understood 
the way that God wanted it to be understood, well, then it was starting to cause a few issues in the church, a few cracks were appearing. And we know, don't we, from little things, from little things, big things grow. So the whole purpose of the letter, remember, it's a book in our Bibles. It's called 1 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians, but it started out as a letter from Paul. And it's written to this young church in Corinth and the whole purpose of the letter is to name these little things that are quickly growing into big things which each has the potential to take this church right off track. And Paul wants to speak truth to those. And so wisdom, right? This whole idea of knowing and grasping and perceiving what really counts in life or of understanding how we are designed to live, the first main topic it is, that's what, that's what Paul covers off on. So let's get this right, he's saying. I mean, let's, let's get it right for each one of us. Each, each one of us here this morning, let's get it right. Like, let's get it right for our families. Let's get it right for our marriages. Let's get it right for our work. Let, let's get it right for our church community. So in the first part, if you've got your Bible, open up, hey, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul talks in the first part of it, he talks about folly. All right, folly. It's not wisdom. And then in the second part of the chapter, he talks about wisdom. All right, take a look with me at folly, first few verses. Dear brothers and sisters, when I first came to you, I didn't use lofty words and brilliant ideas to tell you God's message. Even though there in Corinth, that is what your culture would have expected of me. Because your culture prizes wisdom. They would have expected that I use that, but I didn't. For I decided to concentrate only on Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. I came to you actually in weakness. I was timid and trembling. And actually, my message and my preaching were very plain. I did not use wise and persuasive speeches, but the Holy Spirit was powerful among you. And I did this so that you might trust the power of God rather than human wisdom. Okay, who here has ever been, I haven't been, who here has ever been on a debating team? Show of hands, who's, who's, come on, more than that have been on a debate, all right, so debating, all right. I looked this up because I wanted to know is debating a sport? And here's, you know, like I found a bit of a definition of it. Um, debate, it said, is not only an immensely fun activity, it is a full-on competitive sport. The competitive nature of debate demands not just mere proficiency, but complete mastery in the art of persuasion to best any opponent. In the same way that professional athletes would breeze through a regular physical fitness test, competitive debaters should have no issues convincing people in the real world. You see, in Corinth, when Paul had come there to preach and started that church three or four years earlier, there was much more attention paid by the people to the methods and the manner and the skill of the speaker. Much more to that than to the truth 
of what the speaker was saying. Speakers not only spoke, but it was actually expected in this culture that they would self-promote. Like, uh, here's, here's one from around about the second century AD in Corinth, who visited Corinth, Favorinus. This is, this is what he wrote. When I first visited your city the first time, I know he doubles up there, Favorinus, you don't have to say first both times, but you did. When I first visited your city the first time and gave your people and magistrates a sample of my eloquence, I seemed to be on friendly, yes, intimate terms with you. Speakers, self-promote. Um, I have this, I have a couple of really old messages that I like to listen to. <laughs> they're so old, they're on cassette tapes. You guys know what they are? No, I know you don't. Cassette tapes, all right? So I got nothing to listen to them with anymore. And one of them is by David Wilkerson. Remember David Wilkerson? He's the author of The Cross and the Switchblade, that famous book. And, um, and he's talking away, and, and it's, it's, the message is called Holy Ground. And, uh, and anyway, he's talking away, and, and he was doing some research to write some article, you know. And, um, and so he's writing away to all these places overseas to try and get information about the fathers of the faith and these guys, and, and they, they're, they're men that he's talking about who, who are the, the preachers. And I can't, like I never like to imitate accents, you know, but I, I'm going to have to to get this one right for you, you know, because um, what he's saying, it's so powerful, like it just makes you, makes you stop, because he says, you know, I've written and written and written, and he said, I can't find, and then he goes out, and he's getting louder and louder, as he said, and he said, like, you know, he's talking about how he can't find any information about these people, he said, I can't find one paragraph! You know, he can't find anything written about these people. Not a word. Paul too, you know, when he's writing, he wanted zero focus on him. Let alone his, his rhetorical skill or his oratory prowess. That's folly. That's folly, my friends. When we get captured by a good speaker for the good speaker's sake... And not just speakers, because we get messages through other propaganda too, and don't we? And we get them through social media, and we get them through popular trends. And it's when we go after what we call form, not content. And we get captured by the form, rather than worrying about the content. And the good church that we've spoken about here in 1 Corinthians, the good church, the one that's good, the one that's got the best speaker or speakers, and it's got the best sound equipment. It's got an awesome smoke machine and they've got really good musicians there at that church. And their social media, whoa, man, their marketing and their graphics, awesome. Why Eugene Peterson would describe it as on social media, the carefully airbrushed images. And the pastor who's, I don't, I, I don't know, maybe. I wrote this last week. I said the pastor who's dressed cool in designer clothes. And I didn't think about that this morning. 
I don't think I am. You see, that's folly. Friends, listening, when we think that we're wise and when we're spellbound by form but missing the content. And in case you missed it, here's the content. It's in verse two there. Paul said, for I decided to concentrate only on Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. You see, it's folly if it's not God's wisdom. Friends, true wisdom is God's wisdom. And if we see the ancient biblical idea of wisdom, it's just like we said earlier, it's knowing, grasping, perceiving what really counts in life and of understanding how we were designed to live. Or what we might even call here like a Christian worldview. And a Christian worldview, view of the world, which sees everything through the lens of the cross of Jesus. So yeah, it does include mathematics and computer science. My brother-in-law lives in the Czech Republic, David, Deb's brother. Um, Like, even when he explains, like he's got a PhD, he's a professor in, and I don't know if it's mathematics or computer science, because even when he explains the topic of his dissertation and his thesis to me, I'm I'm totally lost. Or it's astrophysics. My friend Stuart, He's an astrophysicist, PhD astrophysicist in New York. You see, the wisdom of God does include mathematics and computer science and astrophysics, and it also includes asylum seekers, and it also includes climate change and the homeless and local government and political ideology, and it's humanities and art and architecture and creation and music and literature through the lens of the cross of Jesus. You see? It's folly if we're not starting from there. That's what Paul says, and that's why he came to these people weak and trembling and not so impressive. And he resolved to know and to say nothing that did not start from the cross of Jesus. The gospel, that's what we call it, don't we? The gospel, it means the good news. The good news of Jesus proclaimed. Listen, friends, it's always proclaimed when it's done God's way. Listen, it's always proclaimed through human weakness. But it's accompanied by the powerful work of the Spirit of God so that lives are changed through a divine human encounter folly. True wisdom is God's wisdom. Remember that. Now, look at wisdom, the next few verses. Wisdom in verse 6. Here's what Paul does here for these next, these next um, few verses, because we don't have time to do it in detail. The nature and the contrast of God's wisdom, he's got that in the first few. Then he says, well, how Jesus' followers, how do they get let in on this secret? Because it's actually a secret, it says. And then he reaffirms, and that is that God's wisdom is for God's people. Look what he says. Yet when I'm among mature Christians, I I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world, not the kind that appeals to the rulers of this world who are being brought to nothing. They're nothing alike, these two wisdoms. Nothing alike. And so what that means is that even if it is 
have you read about this this 19-year-old female astronaut in America? And Jenna's not here today, is she? This astronaut is from Baton Rouge, Louisiana in America. Jenna's hometown. Um, Even if it's someone like her, if it's not through the cross of Jesus, it's folly in and of itself. Uh, And nor, by the way, does it mean that if you follow Jesus, you have to be dumb or act dumb. No way. Like, have you heard of Dr. Caroline Leaf? Could we get that photo up there? Please, Anna, would that be okay? I think I've lost. There we go. There you go. Who's heard of Dr. Caroline Leaf? Oh, man. If you've ever heard her speak, <laughs> like this lady loves Jesus and she's totally faithful to God's word, but I'm telling you now, she is a, an off-the-charge, like brilliantly intelligent neuroscientist. Off the charts. Or who's heard of uh, Professor John Lennox? Who's heard of him? A few. Professor of mathematics. He's also a bioethicist and a Christian apologist uh, at Oxford University. And he too, he is biblical, biblically faithful and he follows Jesus. You see, you don't have to act dumb or be dumb if you're Christian. That's not what we're saying. Now, look at this, um, the Septuagint, right? This is, what this is, little, little thing for you, that little fact to get hold of, the Septuagint. This is, this is the Old Testament that was translated into Greek. So it wasn't originally written in Greek, it was translated into Greek, the Septuagint, right? And so wisdom, which is what we know as the book of Proverbs, all right? And the references are a little bit different, but in wisdom... 9 verse 6 look at this for even one who is perfect and it's the same word when Paul just spoke about the mature same word all right even one who is perfect teleos in the Greek among human beings will be regarded as nothing without the wisdom that comes from you you see it's true friends true wisdom is God's wisdom. Now, look at this, verse seven. Now, the wisdom we speak of is the secret wisdom of God, which was hidden in former times, though he made it for our benefit before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would never have crucified our glorious Lord. And that's what the scriptures mean when they say, and now he mostly quotes, it's it's just about a quote, not quite exactly, but from Isaiah chapter 64, verse four in the Old Testament. He said, no eye has seen, read this carefully with me, friends, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. This is a mystery, what God's prepared for those who love him, what God's wisdom actually says It's a mystery so great, not even Albert Einstein or Charles Darwin or Michelangelo or Aristotle or Archimedes. There's not a person who has ever or could ever perceive it or grasp it. And therefore, if you can't perceive it or grasp it, you can't be helped by it. But we know these things because God has revealed them to us by his spirit and his spirit searches out everything and shows us even God's deep secrets. No one can know what anyone else is really thinking except that person alone and no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. 
And, and God has actually given us his spirit, not the world's spirit. Keywords. So we can know. God has given us his spirit so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you this, we don't use words of wisdom, of human wisdom. We speak words that are given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. Look here, look really carefully now, my friend. And, and if you're here with us this morning uh, and you're, you, you're exploring, you're checking out about Jesus, you're not sure about him yet, don't be disheartened by this because this is every bit as much for you as it is for anyone else. You can find this. But it'll probably all feel foolish until you know Jesus. That's what he's saying. But Jesus is worth checking and he's worth investigating. But people, Paul says in verse 14, who aren't Christians can't understand these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them because only those who have the Spirit can understand what the Spirit means. We who have the Spirit understand these things, but others can't understand us at all. So no wonder they say we're fools. No wonder our evidence, the, the anecdotal evidence, is that the Corinthian people weren't very impressed by Paul when he first arrived there and started preaching. Who's this guy? And Paul says, how could they understand it? And here he quotes from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 13. Who can know what the Lord is thinking? Who can give him counsel? Rhetorical questions. The answer's obvious. No one can. But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. True wisdom is God's wisdom. So come back to what we said. If we were going to define wisdom as knowing, grasping, perceiving what really counts in life, if you would walk out of here wise this morning, understand, understanding how you were designed to live, then we'd all want wisdom, wouldn't we? None of us would want to get to the end, would we? Like whenever the end is and, and think, oh, I got it all wrong. If you want wisdom, my friends, start with the cross. Whatever you do here this morning, don't hear me denigrating wisdom or smartness or intelligence or knowledge or brilliance or eloquence. Now, you see... When Christians do that, that's just a cop-out. Oh, look, all we've got to do at church this morning is preach the word. So no, we're not, we don't have to have lights and we don't have to strive for excellence or practice or have the team here at eight o'clock to rehearse or learn or grow. We don't have to do that because all we gotta do is just preach the word. That's a cop out. First class cop out. It's a giant sized excuse for mediocrity. 
And it's not just in church, it's in life. You see, we're not minimizing learning and advancement and exploration and research. But we are saying, friends, it begins with the cross. You see, if you know Jesus and you see his sacrificial death on the cross for you, for your sin, so that he can bring you into relationship with himself. And, and not just for you, but for every person from, not just from Melbourne, from every tribe, every tongue, every ethnic group on the face of the earth. Including the little bit over one third of our world's population as I stand here now who've never heard the name of Jesus and who never will hear the name of Jesus until something changes. If you know Jesus and you know that that's what he did, and more than just people, it's so that he can rescue the decaying creation. It's so that he can bring meaning to tragedy and disaster and war. It's so he can provide security and hope in a pandemic. It's so that he can take you home from here today and you drive past and, and petrol's $2 a litre. It's so that he can provide you with assurance when you feel stretched beyond stretching financially. And when you think, how would I ever be able to buy a house when the housing market just goes through the roof each day? See, don't, don't think that if you start with the cross, it's just all about, you know, like reading your Bible and praying and singing in church. If you start with the cross, it reaches out to every conceivable area of life, every one of them. True wisdom is God's wisdom. And the other suggestion this morning, the second one, is I want to suggest to you prize wisdom. And by that, we're, we're talking about true wisdom because true wisdom is God's wisdom, yeah? Look at this in Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs is the, is the book of wisdom. Don't turn your back on wisdom. She'll protect you. Love her and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. And whatever else you do, get good judgment. If you prize wisdom, she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. My friend, if, if you accept that true wisdom is God's wisdom and if you start with the cross, then, then go after it with all you've got. Learn, seek, explore, develop a Christian worldview, which always starts with the cross. And value, value that wisdom 
over and above, way over and above a consumer model of Christianity and of religion and of church. You know, we've said it each week, haven't we? Good worship and great preaching. And there's a smorgasbord of churches. I mean, if it doesn't quite satisfy you, just go to another one. No boasting. No boasting in anything other than Jesus on the cross. I want to encourage you to prize it, my friend. True wisdom is God's wisdom. And then just finally, how about this one? You want to be wise? Hang around with wise people. I believe this with all my heart. Bang their door down. You know someone who's wise? Go after them and hang around with them, whether they want you to hang around with them or not. Go find them, friends. Hunt them down. Whoever walks with the wise will become wise. But if you walk with fools, you'll suffer harm. Seek out wise people and soak them up like a sponge. I was thinking, you know, like I could only find photos of three of these people. Um, but like some of the people that I got in my life, Graham Can, he'll be speaking here in a couple of weeks. This guy, like, pastor, counsellor for just over 60 years now. Wisdom personified. Rob Coyle over the side there. Founder of Youth Dimension. I'll be having lunch with Rob this week. That man. Like he's 70... Six now, I think. I remember his 40th birthday. Like, that's how long he's been in my life. Uh, Alan Dunn in the middle. I know it's not a good photo. I was with him last week, 86 years old. You don't have to be in your 80s to be wise, um, by the way. Chaplain of Essendon Football Club for 30 years. Baptist minister, missionary in Ethiopia for 56 years or whatever it was. His wife died five years ago. Really sad cancer. And Alan said to me at the time, and I just made up my mind then, this man's such a wise, godly man. Anytime Alan wants any any of my time, he's got it. Because I love him so much. And he said to me, not long after Barb's funeral, he said, "Um, Jeff, I, I won't be able to do funerals anymore it's too raw for me it's too too sad (laughs) five years later I've lost count of the amount of funerals he's done since then like every time I see him one more one more one more (laughs) and they're not just man I got beautiful people sister Miriam down at the community the transfiguration down in Geelong Sister Helen, I never met Sister Helen, but she was, um, she was an advisor and a spiritual director to a good friend of mine in Canada. And 
she's been incredibly wise in my life through him. Like, so he would just quote her. Friends, true wisdom is God's wisdom. Wanna pray with me? We ask you this morning. Spirit of the living God. Pour out your wisdom on each person who listens to this, please. I'm sure we'll I'm sure I will continue to stumble over the difference between the world's wisdom and your wisdom. But we don't, I don't want to stumble. We we want to have a clear picture of your wisdom. So that we view everything, everything through the lens of the cross of Jesus Christ including our suffering and our pain, our confusion, our disorientation, including our success and our promotion and our prosperity and our affluence. We want to see everything, everything through the lens of the cross of Jesus. And we as people and as a church, we do not want to promote ourselves or glory in ourselves. We want to boast in nothing at all other than the cross of Jesus and the good news of Jesus. So we ask for your help in that today. Thanks, guys. Love you guys, and thanks for listening.